Welcome to Heads Up Missouri. To keep you informed and to keep the conversation going, we Missouri legislators will podcast from your state capitol. As women legislators from across the state with unique perspectives, we hope to provide insight to the state policy process. So welcome. Hi, I'm State Representative Tracy McCreary. I represent Olivet and Creek Corps in St. Louis County. I'm Lauren Arthur, State Representative for a district in North Kansas City, the best district in the world! <laughs> <laughs> I'm State Representative Deb Lavender. I represent Kirkwood and Glendale in the St. Louis County area. Hi, I'm Senator Kiki Curls. I represent the 9th District in Kansas City in Raytown, Missouri. And I'm State Senator Jill Shoup, representing all our parts of 22 communities in St. Louis County. From now on, you'll find our podcast on Squarespace, Stitcher, and iTunes by searching for Heads Up Missouri. So welcome to Heads Up Missouri. I'm so excited to announce our Shine Theory woman here today, the senator from the 13th District uh, and the minority leader in the Senate, Senator Gina Walsh. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Welcome. I'm honored to be here. Well, we're excited I'm excited to that you. you do this all the time. I listen to several podcasts that are similar that are driven by women. One of my favorites is somebody told me it's not real, but it is. I've met the people at the Pantsuit Nation. Awesome. Right. And it's two young collegiates from Kentucky. Awesome. Well, now you have to start making one of your favorites, Heads Up Missouri. And at the end of the program, we will remind you where you can listen to our podcast. Of course, awesome. if you're listening to the podcast, you probably yeah. know. Yeah. You you already know. I think you know. But then you can tweet it out to your friends and yeah. you know, that would family be nice. members. Right. All right. So we have you here today to talk about several issues with regard to labor issues going on in the in the Senate, in the House, wherever you, you would like to take us? Well, you know what we're doing right now. We're doing a bill that would eliminate project labor agreements in the state of Missouri, which is a tool that uh, contractors and union people use to make a workplace a safe place for everyone to work. Uh, it eliminates overruns on the project by not by implementing uh, non-work stoppages or strikes, as people call them, has an avenue in it that could uh, prevent jurisdictional disputes, which you may not know what that is, but sometimes we argue amongst ourselves as craftsmen and we claim work that may not uh, be ours or that we think is ours and turns out sometimes to belong to another craft. So all of those things go into developing a PLA and you can put in whatever you want in a PLA. And what's upsetting to some people is they say it's a union-only PLA. But it's only a union. Everybody can bid on it. Everybody can join the PLA. If you, Senator, are a non-union contractor, you can bid on that project and be a part of the PLA. You just have to be agreed that your workers will be signed up and signatory to that union that is involved, in, to those unions involved in the PLA for the length of the project which might be three weeks, it might be three months. Rarely do our projects last a long time. Now, you might look down at Barnes on mm -hmm. Kings Highway, and you, that project is a PLA. And you're thinking, well, that's going a lot longer than three months. But that's several jobs. Right. So you see those yeah, cranes? Like that's demolition. just not one project. Mm -hmm. It might be they're doing something over here at the... Uh, at Queenie Tower, or they're doing something at the other end where Goldfarb Nursing used to be. Right. 
And they're not necessarily all connected. They just happen to be all going on at the same time. Okay. Sure. And then, as you, as you know, we did two weeks ago, Right to Work, which is, was another uh, attack on labor. And some of these things are more intrusive to labor and some a little less. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at our calendar here in the Senate, when I was growing up, I was taught to be a graceful winner and a graceful loser. I don't think we have very many graceful winners in this chamber right now. Because if you win, you go about it and you don't rub people's rub it in people's faces. Mm-hmm. Everything our, on our calendar right now and for the last three weeks is geared at destroying working families across the state and lowering the wages of folks that uh, build our infrastructure mm-hmm. and move Missouri forward. And I find it horribly unfair. I don't see a reason for it. We have 6 million people in this state. We're talking about less than 8% of the population. 8% of 6.064 million people is somewhere around 485,000 people. Not all of those are construction unions. So even less than that 485,000. Are going to be impacted by PLAs. Uh, Yes. And the fact of the matter is, We've used maybe two on the western side of the state over the last 20 years and a handful on the eastern side of the state. It's less than 1% of the jobs bid. So we just keep, first it was right to work. Tonight, this week, it is PLA. Next week, I don't know, maybe it will be prevailing wage or paycheck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all out there. And then there's tort reform bills. And oh, by the way, we've already done one of those. And since I've come into this building in 2003... Every year that I've been here, we've made it more difficult for working men and women that might get hurt on the job to be compensated mm-hmm. for their injuries that they received at no fault to their own. Oh. So, and we just did it again last week in this building with the tort reform bill. We right. did, and there's a, there's a dozen more lined up behind it. So, it's Labor Day every day here, mm-hmm. and I'm tired. I'm really tired, Senator. I... You know that I am a person that likes to keep peace, and I like people to right. get along, and I like us to do things right. But I'm worn out. Right. You know, we all we all reach a point where enough is enough, yeah. and you want to move forward. I want to talk about funding education and how we're going to fill the budget gap. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about how we're going to move Missouri forward and educate the next generation through STEM initiatives. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the startups in St. Louis City. I don't want to talk about things that are going to affect a very minuscule part of the population. And oh, by the way, it's going to lower the wage of working class people and then lower the wages even more of non-union people mm-hmm. right. because our wages are lower. Right. So I'll get off my soapbox next box You know what? Now. I think you explained it really, really well. And I, I will say so. I just wanted to, the, this bill is, is uh, Senate Bill 182. It's, Senate, it's yes. Senator Anders from the 2nd District. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it says that not only um, contracts now that are 50% or less state funded by taxes uh, are allowed to enter into uh, uh, these PLA agreements, they cannot, nobody can, including it adds political subdivisions. So our school districts, mm-hmm. our municipalities, oh, yeah. none of them will be allowed to, even if they think this is the most cost-efficient way to do a job, the yeah. best quality way to do a job, this doesn't allow them to enter into those kinds of contracts. And the punishment, if they do, 
I think it was two years of state funding. That's ridiculous. Two years of state funding. Yeah. Now, to me, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, but that's... Thank you so much. Yeah, you know for thank you all thank for you. We'll have you back again. And oh, you know what? To, yes. You're a hero. You're out there working yes. hard. Yeah. Can we have coffee next time? Yes. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll get you some coffee and bring Keep it in. Keep up the good work. Thank all you, right. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. It's a pleasure serving with you all. Oh, you too. Thank you. Oh, she's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah. She's and just an inspiration to me. Um, part of the reason I'm glad we're recognizing her as our Shine Theory guest is she is a strong woman leader within the labor movement. And, um, yeah. you know, I just, um, I really admire that. I, you mm -hmm. know, it, um, traditionally, uh, labor unions were sort of a man's world. And right. uh, Senator yeah. Walsh um, has been involved in organized um, labor for decades. And is right. really, um, she's just she so eloquent. Really at the right. Yeah. She is, yeah. she was back there when there were really no women involved. Right. And now there are so many more. And, yeah. you know, she was courageous and brave and, and I know her. I know her work ethic. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you could hear the passion in oh, her yeah. voice as she talks about, you know, what we really do care about right. as opposed to what we're trying to destroy. You know, she didn't get a chance because she has an amendment pending on the floor and had to go back out mm -hmm. there. Um, she didn't get a chance to talk about the right to work referendum mm. that is in process. So um, we know right to work passed. And, you know, I don't even like calling it right to work. We've had this conversation before. It's really it's, uh, people on the other side of the issue call it so-called right to work or right to work for less mm -hmm. because what we know is when we destroy these people's ability to collectively bargain for salaries for safety for benefits and collectively agree to perform well mm -hmm. and to provide a good product for a fair day's wages um we know we're undermining uh, people's ability to make a good living so that bill passed and it passed all the way through the governor has signed it into law it. Yes. But meantime, um, there have been people that have gathered mm -hmm. together and said, we're going to get this, we're going to try to get a, a, a petition on the ballot, a referendum so that they can um, vote, so that the public can vote on this. Mm -hmm. Because we think the public supports the working families, the working person's ability to join together to make their case to the big boss yeah, and so the, the corporation. The AFL-CIO and NAACP are working together to put forth a citizen's referendum, or citizen's veto, sorry. Right, so it takes 900,000 signatures, and they have to be from different parts of the state. So people are going to be maybe at people's grocery stores or you know, different venues where they can find people who they need to know that you're registered to vote, they need to know that you sign the petition only once, and that you sign it in the community that you live in. So when they come, you know, either knocking on your door or meet you at a public place, um, please be sure that you sign, but you sign once. Yep. So that we can, as a uh, as citizens of the state of Missouri, decide whether we think right to work is a good public policy for the state of Missouri. Uh, so something that I've been hearing on the floor, whether it's PLAs or right to work, and what we'll hear with prevailing wage and uh, paycheck deception is, um, this is government interference. This is government going into workplaces and dictating how people can operate. Um, with projects, with labor projects. Um, and it's interesting that the citizens' veto is really to show that we support working families. Right. Um, so this is a big intrusion of big government into, yeah. right, into people's lives, frankly, into their ability to work and earn a fair living yeah. for, earn a fair wage for the work that they do. And it's not even infrastructure. It plays a huge part in education and how our teachers can right. collectively bargain to earn a decent wage. They can like they're not stressed out about money and being able to teach children. You and know, our teachers are some of the lowest paid teachers in the world in developed countries. And you know, we compare ourselves to places like Singapore or Finland that really um, the, their teachers are uh, paid well, 
They are important. People mm-hmm. understand how important they are to the public yeah. and to the future of those nations mm-hmm. and why we haven't elevated our teachers' stature in that regard yeah. um, means we don't value it because our, our budget, the way we spend our money is our priorities. Well, uh, speaking of the budget, Representative Lavender is on the House Budget Committee, and I know you guys have finally been able to do work this we, week. We have. So typically, historically, the governor submits their budget to this during the state of the state address, which this year, if I remember right, was January 19th. Mm-hmm. The governor finally released his budget this past Thursday, but interesting to school children in Nixon, Missouri, which is in the southwest corner of our state. Uh, the Constitution says he needs to present that to the General Assembly, and this year he chose to present it to children. Has he decided we, he's going to present it at all? I, I don't think he's going to come personally before us. We did, on that day, get in our mailboxes his budget. So where he typically, again, addresses these issues to us in the state of the state, we did get it in our mailboxes past Thursday afternoon. The General Assembly can't take any action on the budget until the governor has presented his. So he's two and a half weeks historically late. And so we actually started uh, budget meetings yesterday morning at 8. Mm-hmm. We had an hour and a half off. Well, we did not meet during session, which on the House side was for two hours yesterday. Mm-hmm. We had an hour off, and then we were back in budget from 1 yesterday afternoon until 8 last night. Wow. We started budget this morning at 8 again. We had a short session in the House today, about an hour and a half. They gave us an hour for lunch after that, and then we've been in budget again until about quarter of 7 tonight. So we have gone through several of the uh, departments come and report to us what their budgets are, and we get a chance to ask questions. So we've started that process, but I think we're going to be pretty condensed in what we're doing and making up these two and a half weeks of time. So another really important thing about the budget right now is that we are in a significant shortfall compared to even just a year ago. And again, if we go back to what the governor said in his budget book, he blames this on insiders, lobbyists, and special interests that we have a huge hole in our budget. And actually, if you look hard at where we're not collecting revenue right now, it's based off of tax cuts that we've made in our state since 2011. So I've talked once before here about the franchise tax that we scaled Mm -hmm. out. Um, From 2011 to 2016, we've lost $130 million as a state for the franchise tax. And you'll remember mine was $49 every other year, so I don't have to pay that anymore. But we, in... 2015 Senate Bill 19, we changed how corporations can file their taxes and how they're organized. So if you sell a tangible or intangible objects outside of the state of Missouri, you don't have to pay tax on that anymore. And right now, since it's gone into effect, I've been able to estimate we've lost 300 to 350 million dollars. So if you add up that tax cut, and you add up the franchise tax, you've got about $450 million, which is what our shortfall is right now. We're going to be cutting education. We're going to be cutting Medicaid. We're going to be cutting social services. We're cutting help to our elderly, to our disabled people. And all of that right now is because we decided as a state that corporate tax breaks are more important than the welfare of the people of our state. On the floor today, they heard House Bill 66, which expands newborn screening to include two more diseases. Um, 
and one of the main questions brought up was how are we going to fund this? Um, and uh, Representative Arthur, who's not here right now, um, asked that question with regards to Senate Bill 28. And if that goes through, what would happen? Yeah, so Senate Bill 28 is really problematic. So even though the bill talks about a global waiver, what it's looking for is a block grant. And we're talking about our Medicaid program. So Medicaid, also called MoHealthNet, is the state insurance for people who are very, very low income or for our elderly, for our disabled, and for our children. So and and so those are the people who mostly access state health care. Mm -hmm. um, this block grant, if it's put into place or this global waiver says to the federal government, we don't want you to pay us on a per person basis um, our money that we currently get now. So somebody who is eligible for Medicaid gets sick or goes to the doctor and there is a reimbursement for that person's costs from the state and 60% comes from the federal government, mm -hmm. roughly. Mm -hmm. it, it varies a little based on a, a particular circumstance, but roughly 60% from the federal government, 40% is paid by the state. When we, and that's for every person who has access to Medicaid who needs to access services. If, we, if this global waiver goes through, what it says is to the federal government, we're not going to follow any of your guidelines. We're going to ask you for a big chunk of money based on our history and then we're going to decide how that money gets spent. Uh, and if we end up with a downturn in the economy and more people need to go on Medicaid, or we have some natural disaster that occurs in the state of Missouri and more people need access to the state's health care services, we've already said to the federal government, well, we just want this block of money based on our history. We won't be able to account for and serve the additional people who may need access or as people, again, continue to live longer and uh, maybe make less wages mm -hmm. and need some additional social safety net from the state of Missouri, they're not going to be able to be covered. So whether we would decide as a state, well, we're only going to cover you up to a certain point and then you're on your own, or we're not going to take any more patients regardless of what your needs and your financial status is, or whether you are now disabled mm -hmm. or you've become a low-income senior or you are a child, we're not going to act provide any more uh, funding because we just simply don't have any more money from the federal government. Or if we are going to let you on health care, then it's the state taxpayers that are going to be on the hook for those additional people who need, may need to have access. So from my perspective, it's a terrible situation to put ourselves into, especially when we don't know yet what's going to happen at the federal level yeah. in terms of how we're going to provide health care uh, services to people throughout the nation. So it's just interesting that we're in a situation where we could literally be saving lives, like newborn lives, and it's a financial uh, concern with the budget. What are we going to give? Well, well I want to I just, if mm -hmm. I could, just for a second, tell yeah. you that this issue, Senate Bill 28, this issue about this Medicaid global waiver and this block grant from the federal government, I have gotten over 300 emails about this issue. Wow. All of them opposed to Senate Bill 28, which is my stance on mm -hmm. this issue. So... I am delighted to know that the public is paying attention mm -hmm. and saying, don't, don't hurt us. Don't hurt the taxpayers of Missouri mm -hmm. and don't hurt the people who are ill or injured and need to access health care. And just to, to piggyback on what Senator Shoup has said, this House Bill 66, to screen these newborns, we might be able to pay for it today, but it does cap us on what we can recover from federal matching funds for people 
in lower income levels. Mm -hmm. And that just the cap arbitrarily put on us is going to prevent us from being able to do these type of things in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's what really limits us too, is we can no, no longer go to them to get help to cover these lower income people for the same services. Well, and, and I'm just going to bring us back to the budget as a whole based on what you just said, which, you know, we just over the last few years, we have increased reimbursements to providers. Mm -hmm. So whether they're hospitals or doctors or, you know, pediatric doctors that provide services, healthcare services when somebody needs to access them. So somebody's sick or injured needs to go to the doctor. And we have increased that because Missouri is notorious for having very low reimbursement rates for our state healthcare. So we've spent the last couple of years increasing them by about 3%. This new budget cuts those back by 3%. Wow. So um, businesses and providers that have depended upon that money to help cover their costs, to help build their practice or do whatever they need to, need to do to become um, much more able to provide the services through new equipment, for, through hiring new people, mm -hmm. are going to now have to go back and cut back again mm -hmm. should the governor's recommended budget priorities stand. So we were hopeful that those priorities that the governor has put forward to undercut these reimbursements to our providers in the state of Missouri, mm -hmm. that they will not be allowed to stand through the House budget process and the Senate budget process. Uh, so I'm going to oh, take you through a little, down a little short rabbit hole here. So as a provider, I don't get paid well in the services that I perform. and What do you mean as a provider? I'm a physical therapist. Oh, okay. Thank you, and I own a, a practice, so I, I submit claims and I get reimbursement, and over the last couple of years, I get less for what I do. So Medicare used to reimburse me $67 a visit. Mm -hmm. Since they've gone towards managed care programs, I get $45 a visit. So I've been reduced by one-third. Mm. Interesting, the federal government pays those managed care companies more to take care of those patients than it costs under Medicare. But I, as a provider, get a third less than what I used to get. So as we are getting, well, we are going towards managed health care for the entire state's Medicaid population, mm -hmm. we've decided it's okay for these managed care companies to make a profit mm. off of health care in Missouri so they manage our patients. Missouri's administration cost of managing Medicaid patients is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2% of the cost. And so we provide these services as, as a state extraordinarily well. And quite often we ask providers to be nonprofit corporate people to provide these services so you know we're not paying them well. But now all of a sudden it's okay to hire managed care companies and allow them to have a profit off of giving this care instead of putting those extra dollars either to the providers or to offering more services for patients. So providers may decide, you know what, it's not worth it to me mm -hmm. to provide service to Medicaid patients. And again, I just want to reiterate, those are very low-income yep. people. Mm -hmm. Those are children. Those are people with disabilities. Those are senior citizens. And these are the vulnerable populations that we are talking about perhaps losing access to care because a provider can't afford to stay in business mm -hmm. and provide those services. They need to take Medicare patients or patients who have their own insurance instead. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to step back and ask about the committee hearing for Senate Bill 28. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and you said that only one person came to testify in favor of it, and you had like maybe 10 or 13 people who came to testify against it. So as people, obviously you are on different committees, what does the testifying process look like, and how do 
um, representatives take that into consideration when they're deciding to pass on it. I love that you asked the question. I think we can all chime in because, you know, what people need to know is it is great for people to come up and share their perspective and their point of view in a committee hearing. Um, I pay attention to when 10 or 15 people on one side of an issue come in and nobody on the other side, and especially when they aren't paid lobbyists, mm -hmm. when they are people who come because they really care enough to drive from St. Louis two hours, from Kansas City two hours, from um, southeast corner of the yeah. state of Missouri, you know, three and a half, four or five hours. It's, it, it's meaningful to us that they've bothered to come, but they are given very little notice. Yeah. So usually two days in advance of a hearing, we find out that a hearing has been put on the calendar. So people need to sort of be able to drop everything and come up, and when they do, it's meaningful. And they are asked to fill out a witness form, and then they are given an opportunity to state their case. Now, what happens sometimes when there is a lot of testimony on one side or the other or both sides, people are asked to limit their remarks to three minutes. So I always try to recommend to constituents who are going to come up and testify, be prepared to give your the full length of what you want to say, but also be prepared to have to pare it down to two or three minutes. And if you feel like you can't cover it all adequately, you can always provide additional testimony in writing. If you can't come to Jefferson City and, and get to the committee hearing, you can always still email in your testimony. So at least we have that and provide it to the legislators. Do we know that each legislator will read it? No, we don't. So I have a quick question about that. Um, let's say that you have a constituent from uh, St. Joe, and it takes uh -huh. three hours to get, three and a half hours to get here, um, and they want to know, they, they want to testify on some agriculture bills, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, do they email everybody on that committee? Do they email the chair, or do they email the representative or senator? Right, so they can take either route. I would actually suggest to them that they send it to the chair, if they can take a few minutes and look up everybody on the committee, that's great. But if they send it to the chair with a request that says, please distribute this information to your committee from me, this is my testimony, okay. then it's very clear and it will go on the record okay. as being testimony in support or opposed to a particular bill. Okay. If I can, it, it's sometimes more challenging when you're at home to know what's happening. You know, being a House member, I know you can go to Missouri House of Representatives and pull up our website. And it's on the left-hand column, the second item down is bill tracking. Mm -hmm. And so you can pull up a whole entire list of the bills. All of the bills that have been submitted so far this year are there. So you can just, the title will tell you if it's something you're interested in or not at all. If you're interested in it, you can click on that. And then there's a summary that's provided. If you click on that bill, it has actions. The actions will tell you if it's been referred to a committee, if a hearing has been set up. So there are different places on the website you can get to in the, in the House, and I know the same is the true on mm -hmm. the Senate. So if there is something that you are particularly interested in, that you have that chance to know when those hearings are. And then today, uh, we're Well, all... I think there's an easier way to do it than that. My secret is... I subscribe to emails from groups that I really care about mm -hmm. and have a lot of respect for, and I let their professional staff at these nonprofits tell me, you know, what's coming up on the calendar. So, for example, you know, I um, get emails from Planned Parenthood every so often, and it tells me what bills, either good bills or, or bad bills in their case, are going to be heard and when the hearings are and stuff. And it's so much easier for me than, um, you know, having to track everything on my own. Well, and you're so right, and I was just about ready to say we're all sitting around here wearing red today because today was Wear Red for American Heart Association. 
And so as, as an organization or a body of people, we help support various issues that happen. Moms Demand Action mm -hmm. were here today in the Capitol for a lobby day. Mm -hmm. So exactly to Representative McCreary's point is that you have, yes, so many people that come and talk to us. The Arts, the arts Council, today. Marriage and Family Therapists for, today. Um, for mm -hmm. parents of uh, young kids. Mm -hmm. And they bring issues to our attention and things mm -hmm. in the budget. So that's a great way to do it. Yeah. And there are some shortcuts. Even when you go online, you can, you can look up bills mm -hmm. by subject area. But yeah, if you get in with a, following a group that is an active group um, in the area of legislation that you care about, yeah. they will certainly provide you with action alerts. And, you know, one thing I want to remind people of, and we've talked about this before, is if you are going to come to, uh, to Jefferson City, to the Capitol to testify, you now have to go in through security. Mm -hmm. So you need to give yourself a little bit of extra time to get here before the hearing starts. And it's new. So if you've testified in the past, mm -hmm. that's new this year. And be prepared for that. Um, but we don't want to scare people off. No, I mean, no, no. It's, it's just, it's not just a big deal. It just, just yeah. may if, take a couple right, minutes like longer. Right. Like if a hearing starts at um, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, don't think you can arrive at the front door here at 7.58. You know, you yeah. might you need to have a little bit. But we certainly don't want to scare anyone away. So. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so we also don't want you to come and be disappointed. So you may just get those three minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time that doesn't happen if a chairman of a committee is running their committee well and doesn't put 10 bills on the mm -hmm. calendar for that day. But um, you just never know how it's going to go. And yeah. so sometimes it gets limited. And it's very disappointing if you feel like you really can't make your point. So bring it in writing if you're if you're able to do that and yeah. have your long version and your three minute version. That's all very very good advice. I think that process is pretty opaque and mm -hmm. people don't really understand how to do it. Even if they live far away, it's nice to know that you can email in. Well, and we also say call your legislators and t say to them, I'm interested in these couple of bills. Can you send me a link to see how to watch them, or can you call and mm -hmm. remind me or send me an email when those bills when you see them moving forward? I will tell you, we all you know, our most valuable resource here is our time. Mm -hmm. So we can't read every bill before it's moving through the process. We have to schedule it so that we know when they're going to move forward. Yeah. We have read them. We're prepared to ask our questions, to deal with amendments, whatever. So we don't always know a bill that you may care about yet, but if you call us, we'll look it up and, and we'll help you with it. Mm -hmm. um, and have there been any, been any interesting testimonies in the past couple of weeks? Mm. Well, one of the most interesting things that I heard um, last night was a bill that would allow motorcycle riders to ride without helmets in the state of Missouri. We seem to do this bill every year, and um, <clears throat> it's just shocking to me. I mean, talk about, you know, a tremendous um, use of taxpayer money when people sustain injuries riding on a motorcycle without protective gear and a helmet. You know, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars of state money to help care for those. Because often, even if people, when they have an accident, are privately insured, mm -hmm. they often um, hit a point where they become Medicaid eligible. Because right, they're, they're they bankrupt. Become, yeah, right. because they're unable to work and that kind of thing. So so one of the motorcycle riders who has been in committee hearings that I've been in before, his name is Tony. Yeah, and he, he was stopped, there last right, night. <laughs> I, yeah, he was there because he came by my office uh -huh. today, and I said, oh, Tony, what have you got for me now? Um, and he said, well, they have a bill that says, well, we put forward a bill that said, we're required to have $50,000 insurance, and somebody amended it to $100,000 insurance, and we can live with that, but somebody else wants to make it a million, and we cannot live with that. And I said, Tony, mm -hmm. thanks for bringing your information to me. You and I are not going to be on the same side of this issue, but I appreciate yeah. hearing from you. Yeah, exactly, and he's a normal citizen lobbyist. I right. have great respect for, the, for uh, Tony and his team that were here last night, but 
when I used to work on the Senate side as a staffer, I remember uh, meeting a young man and his mom. Uh, he had a great job as a union member, so he had good insurance and everything, was in a motorcycle accident, sustained a traumatic brain injury, and um, was never going to be the same. And so, and then he, that was back in the day when insurance had lifetime limits. Within a few months, he hit his lifetime mm -hmm. limit, even though he had very, very good insurance. And uh, so then he became Medicaid eligible. And then um, since he was so young, he was too young. His mom and dad didn't want him to go into a nursing home. So his mom quit her job in order to basically be a full-time caregiver for her 20-some-year-old her son. Mm, and it's wow. just heartbreaking. So, and yeah. a motorcycle injury with no helmet, $100,000 might last you two or oh, three right. days oh, right. to wow. death in yeah. a hospital. Yeah. Right. Well, when Tom, my husband yeah. had a bad ladder mm -hmm. accident, that was a $150,000 injury. He was in the hospital just for five days. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't, that was just an right. ankle. So. Right. Yep. It goes by real quick. Yeah. So we're getting into some real heavy duty stuff now in session. So with the budget that, you know, I know that you're working on and all kinds of hours being put into that. And, um, with some of these issues continuing to come through. And you heard from Senator Walsh, our shine theory senator, yes. about all the anti-labor and all the anti-tort reform, which is, you know, people accessing their day in court and getting a, a, a real hearing and a fair day's trial and uh, somebody to make decisions. Um, those those areas are under attack. And um, it's, it's going to be a really tough session, as yeah, we know. So, so uh, we're here to stand up for middle-class families and for the working people out there and to make sure that this state is the state we want to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, this state is a state where you can get a quality education, you can get your health taken care of, uh, you, you know, you can pay for insurance and, and, and be well, where, where families have a roof over their heads, clothing on their backs, and some extra money to spend to enjoy their lives, mm -hmm. where the American dream can come true. And if we only kept looking at that every time we, mm -hmm. every time we put into place a piece of legislation, I think we'd end up a with a very, very different outcome. Well, with that, uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you, listeners. And we'll be back next week. You can find Heads Up Missouri at headsupmissouri.com and on iTunes. If you subscribe in iTunes, you'll never miss an episode. And if you leave a review and rating, you'll ensure that other people can find us too.